There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 957. Uh, I'm very excited about this particular podcast, but I'll get to that in a second, because let's talk about you. The ID10T community and the ID10T community corkboard, uh, which you can uh, submit stuff to our very own producer extraordinaire, Katie Levine, at uh, corkboard at ID10T.com. Um, Kale writes, our clothing company, Thank You Worldwide, is an attempt to share our lifestyle and the positive feeling we all get after a day of doing what we love. Most importantly, it's a reminder not to take ourselves too seriously and be thankful. As a skateboarding brand, our mission is to show the world the positive side of skateboarding and provide a creative platform for skateboarders, musicians, and artists to express themselves through collaboration while creating high-quality clothing in the process. People can check out our stuff, thankyouww.com. Get 20% off if you use the offer code ID10T. Very nice of you, Kale. Uh, also, with so many shows to watch and games to play, how do you know what's worth your time? But now there's a weekly web series called Stream Economy to help you figure out what to watch and what to pass on. Host Ashley Escada uh, talks about, oh, I love Ashley. She's great. Uh, talks about all the weekly news and pop culture while reminding you to buy or sell for viewers on shows and games. Check it out every Friday on YouTube.com slash CNET. Well done, Ashley Escada. Um, let's see. Oh, I don't know. I guess David Tennant has returned to the podcast. David Tennant, who, uh, oh, I don't know, might have just been, uh, the Tenth Doctor. In a, uh, small British series by the name of Doctor Who. He was on in, uh, 2011, and, uh, I was, I was over in, in London and got to chat with him, and, yeah, he's a friggin' great guy. I mean... Just the best dude that you would want him to be uh, in real life. So he came over to the house, and I, I posted a picture on Instagram. My Instagram is at Hardwick. I post a picture on Instagram of us because I have a TARDIS in the house. And I was very... <laughs> I got like... I, I turned into like a 12-year-old like, I, um, you know, I got this thing downstairs. And I mean, if you don't want to, you don't have to take a picture with it. But if you want to take a picture with it, it'd be great. Uh, I was really embarrassed. I don't know. I just didn't want to think I'm a creepy super fan. Why? Because I'm a creepy super fan. That's why. I just don't want him to know that. He's in a movie called Bad Samaritan, which is in theaters today, May 4th. Um, he plays uh, not a nice man at all. And he's great. Uh, and also Robert Sheen's in this movie. And if you know who he is, you, he was in a show called Misfits, which was great. And he's been in a million other things. And he's a fantastic actor, too. So Bad Samaritan, directed by Dean Devlin, in theaters right now. Starring Mr. David Tennant, who is right here uh, on the ID10T podcast, number 957, Katie Levine. Mother fourth, be with you. Initiating ID10T protocol.
on, especially if they're doing junkets. And then you uh, go, yeah. let's start uh, now. Yeah, of course. You kind of watch, you watch their, you watch them get yeah, tense. Without a doubt. And then, and then a little defensive body posture. Yeah. Just, uh. Oh no, it's a very good policy. Yeah, because you don't. And I fell into your trap. You did, a little bit. <laughs> but, it, but it's a very, but it's a very safe trap. Because yeah, you'll fine. never, you'll never, we'll never, I don't want to get anything out of anyone that they yeah. don't want to be public. Sure, uh, sure. Because uh, I certainly wouldn't want that. I'm so, I'm so terrified in interviews now. Because occasionally they'll just start throwing kind of incendiary questions just to see yeah. how you respond. Yeah. And your mind starts racing. You're like, don't fuck this up. Well, it's because yeah. now that there's that sense that anything you say can be... You, you have to be sort of overthinking every context yes. as it comes. Yeah. Yes. Because something that you, you meant one way is delivered a different way. And suddenly you're, uh, well, I don't know who you are, but you're in jail. And you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just, it's like it's almost the clickbait thing. It's like you could take yeah. just a fraction yeah, of a yeah, yeah. sentence that yeah. was like you were even as if you were talking as someone else. And then yeah. they'll take that and say, you know, Chris Hardwick said this. Well, yeah. I just right right now, basically, I just feel with that stuff. I just I feel a little bit like a like a tender lamb walking through a lion pen and are just like please don't eat me yeah, you know yeah. just like please though I just need to protect the tenderest meat yeah uh, and so it's you know you'll go if you'll go through the, if you go through the airports and they're they start shouting questions and you're like I don't I don't know anything yeah I don't know anything I am mute yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you just talked no no it's a uh, yeah it's a nerd. Yeah, but it's, it, it is it's slightly scary that appetite for Scandal or or outrage is is a bit overpowering, a bit overwhelming. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it is. I mean, I'd hate to be a politician or something in this age. Oh, just that that sense that. Although yeah, apparently, it, if you're Donald Trump, you can just say what the hell you like, yeah, uh, so, yeah. and then just deny it later. Yeah, yeah. I never said that. Well, it is on tape. Nah, I don't think so. Fake news. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I think you probably, you know, when I when I hang out with people who tend to seem very well adjusted and happy and in general good sense of well being. I think like, oh, you're not on social media that much. I don't peg you as like much of a social media guy. No, I'm not on it at all. Yeah, I have I have no profiles anywhere. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And my yeah. wife does it a bit, a bit, so I can I see it over her shoulder. But uh, I no, I just don't. I'm too. I sort of when it started to explode, I think was just when I was feeling for the first time a bit kind of known. I guess a bit right. sort of. A bit kind of ubiquitous, which makes you feel like you've you've just sort of lost a layer of skin. I think initially, yeah. um, so I think I, I thought, well, I can't possibly touch that. That's toxic, and I and, and now now nobody really cares anymore. I probably could uh, <laughs> dip a toe if I wanted to, but um, but I feel like I sort of missed the moment, and now I and now I think the fact that I I'm not on it is almost a position I feel sort of faintly. I feel like a sort of mad old granddad who can be like, no, I don't do any of that. Why should I do any of that? Stuff and nonsense. Yes. Um, And I mean, maybe eventually we will all go there. Maybe it's like, maybe I'm the sort of person who didn't have a mobile phone in 2001. Maybe, you know, uh, sort of going, why? No, I'm not going to do it. Nobody does that. Maybe one day I'll have given in and gone, yeah, it's possible you might. I know my dad, only until the last couple of years he was alive, refused to text. No, if you want to talk, pick up the phone. Yeah. And then he started experimenting with it and then immediately was like, well, this is great. I mean, I you know, if I can't get you on the... I'm like, that's what I've been telling you <laughs> sure, for years, sure, you yeah, know? And yeah. so he immediately... Then he became a texter. Then he went through all those waves of novice texting of, like, yeah. sending... <laughs> all caps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sending things and pictures. Yeah. Hey, have you seen that? Yes, I've seen that, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Send awesome. this to five of your friends or we're in deep shit. No, Dad, please. <laughs> stop sending people money. Please, please just calm down. Maybe that'll be you in social media someday. It but. might be, actually. Yes, really, really bad at it. 
but loving it. Having a great time. Because your, your kids, are, I would imagine, it's soonish are going to start to be old enough to be citizens of the internet. And I'm well, sure my 16 year old is down deep in it, of course. Oh, I didn't realize you had a 16 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha, so he's gotcha, all gotcha. over it. Um, and uh, yes, and uh, the seven-year-old probably any minute, any, any second. Yeah. It might, might be happening now. While <laughs> might we're be, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it, it's just, it, clearly it's just it, it's part of the world, isn't it? And it, and, it, and I'm slightly uh, railing against it like a sort of King Canute figure. <laughs> well, I think. Well, the interesting thing is that social media, I think, is very. Um, I think social media as a whole really had a lot to do with. Uh, you know, when your season of Doctor Who came on, when you when your series first started, and people were like, oh my God, it's so fucking good. They had a place to go connect. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And here in the States, because as you know, like before that reboot or continuation of the series, Doctor Who was really only known by like a group of, like a select group of people. Sure. There was, um, the Galfrey One convention has been going on for a long time, but it was not a big... Yes, it was, you know, a, it was, it was a point of 1%. Yeah, point something yeah. zero like the guy something. with the scarf, that weird, yeah. with the rubber yeah. mask aliens. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's the one, you know. And social media really gave those people a place to connect and totally, you know. Oh, now, now, I, social media clearly is a wonderful thing when it's used right. I, I'm nervous of it because I know I would feel the pressure to be interesting, funny, witty, unique. And that really makes me kind of... Uh, <laughs> I, I, and I spend all day think, you know, crafting the thing to say because yeah. I worry I didn't get it... I wasn't clever enough or funny enough or interesting enough and my photos weren't cool enough. And it would, it would give me... It would just give me more things to be anxious about and I've got enough of them. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the thing that you have to have a hot take on something oh, is just God. terrible. It's not fun. I, I think now there are people that are... Um, I think people are cooler without it. You know, there are some people that I, I know who are like, yeah, it's really... Sure, keep you talking can't about track them down. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's cool. It is cool. There is, there is sort of a... Like, not needing it is kind of a cool place to be. I do like the idea that, that there isn't a place where people can go to for my opinion on things. Right. I think yeah. that sense that if you've got a Twitter account and something happens that you'd be expected to have an opinion about... Sure. It's then, he said, blah, on Twitter... Or, or even worse, he said nothing on Twitter, which in itself then right. becomes a comment. <laughs> so I'd rather, I'd rather not have that sort of uh, that place where people can go and see what I didn't say about something. I, have, I, I notice with some people where it's like I'll say, yeah, I'll get off Twitter for months at a time, and people go, man, I wish I was in a position in my career where I could do that. That's what I hear a lot oh, of. Right. People feel that they are, they have to it's have part, it, and, and people yeah. use it brilliantly to promote themselves. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. it's like, and if they have like a certain amount of followers, they can get booked certain gigs. You know, mm-hmm. it's just. Mm. It's it's it's. I don't want to say sad because it's like I'm, I've probably benefited from it at times, but it's it's. I don't want it to be that way, you know. <laughs> well, it's nice when you're if you're in a position where you can work and the work can speak for itself, and you don't feel like you have to be your own marketer constantly. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta. And it's also great for you, I imagine, because I'm sure when you work on stuff and they go, hey, so uh, social media, can you tweet out? Nope, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Can't live tweet anything. Yeah, sorry about sorry, that. No. Yeah. Yep, don't Not have any me. of it. <laughs> but I think, you know, what? what's really exciting me about watching your career, especially since Doctor Who, is that I, do you did you feel that before your series, before the reboot of the show, there was kind of a thing where if you were a doctor, that was sort of your branding for mm. life. You know, like, it's like, well, that you're stuck with that for a long time. Did you find, did you think, like, do you think any of the other doctors struggled with 
oh, I kind of want to do other things, but people see me so much as this character. Or I mean, you'd have to ask them, I suppose, how they felt about it. But uh, I, I think that there was certainly an, a, a sense in the industry that that's what it... I remember when, when it was offered to me, the first, the first of the new lot of the series, the Chris Ferguson uh, season, hadn't aired. And my uh, agent in London at the time was saying, "Oh, I don't think I don't think we can do that <laughs> because it would it would be so defining, and the, and it is very defining. It is one of those shows that because it has such a reach, because it is so loved, because it's so ubiquitous, and because it crosses sort of uh, boundaries of of class, of gender, of uh, international boundaries, uh, of uh, ages. It's one of those shows that." that doesn't have a kind of specific audience. It's quite broad. So it does, uh, it, it does sort of brand you in a way, but, uh, you know, and it, and, it, and it follows you around. But, but I found that that's been a positive rather than right. a negative. It, it's, not been, it's not been so overwhelming that it stopped me doing other things. And certainly my father-in-law, who by weird quirk yes. of, uh, <laughs> of the universe, was also a doctor once... Um, He's had a career that has never Peter stopped. Davison. Yeah, Peter Davison. And yeah. he's done, he's done a, a wide variety of things and continues to this day. Um, and absolutely, he's absolutely known as the Fifth Doctor, but he's also known as Tristan Farnan and uh, a, a, a whole bunch of other things that he's done. Um, uh, so I don't... And, and, you know, that was back in the 80s he did it. So it didn't... I don't think it was... It, I don't think he would describe it as something that was limiting. I uh, just... I don't know if Jonah is aware of the calculus behind this, but... David's wife technically played the doctor's daughter. She did play my daughter. She on did play the my daughter. <laughs> you can play, say it, Chris. She played his daughter it. on the series. But I was but 900 it, years old, so yes, it's fine. No, I know. You're nine, probably 907. So she played his daughter on the show, but in real life, she is the daughter of a exactly. doctor. So there's this very interesting yeah. kind of uh, recursive uh, math that yeah, happens yeah, yeah. in the... Exactly. I'm <laughs> sure he's real stoked when people bring it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know what, it's, but it's fun, though, because it's, it's kind of a... That, the, the show is so special for so many reasons, and then personally special at the same time, you know? Oh, like, yeah. But, but going back to what you were saying before is you, it was hard to watch you leave... But I think for your career, you probably left at the right time. Like you, it's not some. If you had done it for like six or seven years, then it's like okay. Well, that's what that guy. You know, well, probably what that guy. It, does. It's, it's always impossible to know, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you can't tell how things would have worked out differently. And and but of course that was part of the 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 reasoning behind knowing when to jump off. It is is do you want to do this? Do you want this to be the only thing you do? Yeah. Uh, and because I, I could easily have gone on, I was having a ball. It was a great job, and I loved it, and I loved the people, and I, uh, uh, it would have been working with Stephen Moffat, uh, which would have been fantastic because I love him and I love his writing, and he was taking over the show, and it, it, I could easily. And, and it, but then you just sort of think, at some point, I'm going to have to leave this. I can't do this, even if I did this until they kicked me out. <laughs> I would still. I mean, I don't know how long I could have lasted. Maybe, how long could you feasibly last? Maybe 10 years. Maybe. Right, yeah, right. There would still come an end point, and I would still be a relatively young human being. <laughs> so, you know, you have, you have to kind of be thinking, I, I, I don't want this to be the very last thing I do, obviously. Sure. Um, uh, but who knows? Who knows? It's impossible to tell. I think you just have to... It just it, For me, it just became the time to leave was right, because really because Russell T. Davis was going and Julie Gardner was going, and that was... We were we felt like a team. So sure, it, it felt if if I'd gone on with another team, and that would have felt well, it was an obvious jumping off point. And if I hadn't taken that one, 
I may never have left. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I think a lot of fans interpreted your last moment of saying, like, I don't want to go, as you say. They're like, oh, my God, he's saying he doesn't. That well, part in of- a sense, that was true, I think. And I think, but it was also, that was Russell T. Davis saying that, too. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, he wrote that line. It is. It is probably the most heartbreaking regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, it really was. It really was hard. It was one of those ones where you watch it, you got to stop, and you're like, oh, "God damn it!" Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be all right. Yeah. I'm gonna be all right. But that's the beauty of the show is that you it it teaches you so much about life and death in the sense that you lose you lose people on the show that you love, and then someone new comes along, and you're like. I don't know about this, yeah. and then yeah. and you go. I love them yeah, more. They, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, no one said that. You, I, I ran into Matt Smith while cosplaying as the tenth Doctor at Comic Con oh. one year because I was doing panels. I did right, Doctor right, Who right. earlier, so I dressed as right, right, right. And I ran into him at a party, and he was like. Oh, I see how it is. Like, uh, you know, I got a tweed jacket at home too. I just uh, yeah, it's just what came out of the closet today. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the suit chose me I today. I could just as easily have been Colin Baker. <laughs> but you know, it was it important like immediately because uh, was Broadchurch the first thing after Doctor Who? No, it wasn't. No, Broadchurch was. Quite a way, quite a way past actually. A couple of years down the line, yeah. What was? What, did you did you think I want to take a break for a bit, or did you think you know I want to do something that's very different from what I was just doing? Right if only away. I ever thought that tactically, <laughs> uh, it would. I would have a great story to tell. Maybe no, I. I you know I can't even remember what the first thing I did was. What was it? It may have been St. Trinian's too, The Legend of Fritton's Gold. <laughs> You've seen that over the... That, that played very big in LA. It was huge. Huge. Yeah, yes. I think it's still playing at I, the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Rep so, theaters weekly. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. it's become yeah, a midnight movie. Egyptian. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just... I, I, I've just always gone, oh, that looks like fun. That fits in. Great, do that. And then do you find that your gut serves you well in that sense? Of like, Do you have a pretty good relationship with your... When you read something, you go, yeah, yeah, great, fun, sure, fine. Uh, I, I, I can't think of anything I regret doing, which I suppose would say would answer your question, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I'm quite easily pleased as well. <laughs> I sort of go, oh, this is fun. Look at these are nice people. It's a nice job, isn't it? That's, that's nice. Uh, so you don't, you don't look for life fulfillment and happiness through your work? You find it in like real life scenarios like family? Like family. And- uh, eventually, yes. Eventually it turns out that that's sort of what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that um, fills the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, but is- also, again, like, in work wise, I do find myself quite. Certainly, in, the, in, in terms of the making of it, making of something, I do, I, I do find much to love in most things. So I'm quite, yeah. I, I do find turning up to work and going, oh, this is fun, and I like that person, and it's nice to see that person. I, 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 you know, I mean, ultimately, the end result, I'm, I may not look back on as fondly, but uh, yeah. but I don't have, again, I don't have a lot of things that I think, oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but the process is like is, is enough for you. Tends to be yeah. Uh, positive, yeah. Well, and also, I think. You get to do a lot of fun stuff and you realize when you watch people who live their lives that way, you realize like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't have to pile on all the external stress that goes along with this thing. Yeah. I could just, you know. I mean, I'm not. That's not to say that I, that I haven't had some some, uh, uh, some jobs that have been tricky or that have had tensions and, and, uh, and that have come with some attendant uh, anxieties. Absolutely. That's the case. But. Um, sort of generally speaking, I'm quite. I sort of bound along quite happily. I think. Nice. I think people were uh, rattled a little bit at how 
good and dark you were in Jessica Jones uh-huh. because they, you know, I, I would see people, I would see people online being like, I don't, he's so good and it, this is disturbing and I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> right. because I, you know, I have this place in my heart for this other character that he played and now I'm seeing this side yeah. and that's really unsettling. Yeah. And because Kilgrave was a great, I mean, he was obviously a selfish character, but in those moments where he was like, well, you know, how would you feel if you never knew if someone was wanted to be friends with you because they liked you or because you were telling them what to do? Mm. And there were there were moments where he you almost kind of empathize with him a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. I think he's in a difficult position. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's something of a monster. But 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 I don't think it, it's hard for him to appreciate that. And I think that I, I think it came at an extraordinary time, that show. And I think um the, the, there's the echoes of sort of what it the, the conversations that it began about about sexual politics and things. Yes. I've kind of it, it came at a time when people were beginning to think about that, and of course that's a conversation that's still entirely relevant and going on. And I think what's interesting is a character like Kilgrave's ignorance about how ignorant he was being. And I think it's it's sort of fascinating about about what we're seeing about a lot of male psychologies. Yes. You, you know, uh, in, in, in lots of areas of our society. But I think, it, I think it really caught the beginning of a wave there, actually, that story. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to make it clear. It's not that I empathize with him that much at all. No, no, no. <laughs> but just that he did have a couple human moments in the show where you're like, oh, I don't know if that... Then, of course, you know, that he's, his father his, makes his father shove his hands in the, in the disposal. Yeah, and no, he's a monster. Absolutely, he's a monster. And I'm not, I'm not for a minute suggesting we should empathise with him. <laughs> that, as, your, as your job as an actress, that that's what you've got yeah. to do in that moment, of course. But I just think, it, I, I think it's, it's a, he's in a complicated situation, which makes him a fascinating character. Because how could he... If, if, everything, if everything that he suggests is... Uh, people acquiesce around him at any given moment, how can he ever build a moral framework from that? Yeah, and so his. This was my defense of him. <laughs> <laughs> but then his answer is just to embrace it a thousand percent, and you know, control everyone. It is, but only because you know he's maybe not that bright. Ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, it's just even that that sort of expression of you know who he wants to be. If he didn't have that power, he'd just be some fucking angry guy on the internet whose screen name was Kilgrave. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Absolutely. Be, yeah. He'd be Kevin at the video store when Absolutely. he worked. Absolutely. Quite. <laughs> some other incel. Yeah, 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 exactly. But you uh, uh you just came from the Corden show, which you said you and James haven't seen each other in quite a while. Uh, many, many years. Yes. Uh, well, I I think I last one before he came off to conquer Hollywood, really. Which was four or five years ago now. Yeah. yeah. And was it? Uh, oh, so this was way after he was on Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. Although, yes, even then, I suppose. I mean, we we never knew each other very well, but we were just sort of on the circuit at the same. We sort of, we, we you know, we were sort of national theatre circuit and that kind of world. We knew each other from. Yeah. So how does it? I, this is a dumb American question. Sure. And I apologize. Can you explain a bit how the national theatre works? You be, you're a part of the company, and then are there several companies that sort of tour, or do you just? Is it one main company that has one specific show, or how does it? How does it work? The, well, it, there's sort of no one answer to that. The National Theatre is based in the South Bank in London, and there's right. three main spaces there that are usually doing a ver- number of shows at the same time, which are often in repertory with each other. So there are touring companies. They and there are also sometimes also are touring, touring companies. companies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then sometimes a show, for instance, the one that James did, One Man, Two Governors, very famously yes. started the National Theatre and then transferred into the West End for a while. So it was running 
in London's West End, and then the National Theatre carried on on the South Bank with other stuff. Right. Uh, right. So yes, the, the shows from there will go out and, and will go around the world uh, as well. But it's based in, on those in those three spaces in, in the South Bank. And is it is it funded by the government? In part, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, in a way like when you're an actor in the national company, it's like it's, you're almost kind of a government employee. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not solely funded by the government. Yeah, there's yeah. arts council funding. There's also sponsorship. There's also yeah. ticket sales as well. Uh, but it's it, it, the, the arts council is is it, one of its uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe fifty percent of their income. Yeah, comes that's from really. Great. And do you do you pick and choose what you want to do, or do they sort of assign and go, okay, you you should do this and you should do this and this? Uh, and oh no, you do. You tend to come for a play. Mm-hmm. You get you get you get employed to do whatever, and then sometimes you'll maybe stay and do two or three, or you'll come in and do one and go again, or it, it it's it, it changes really. And then from there, you're required to either do a Harry Potter film or some kind of upstairs downstairs type of PA yes, or piece. possibly Game of Thrones. Yeah, or yeah. possibly Game of Thrones. <laughs> the other option. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you haven't done? Have you ever done it? Have you ever done like a, an upstairs downstairs type of? Not a, really, I did an Anthony Trollope. Okay. Uh, four-part BBC uh, tight collar uh, funny hat drama uh, the funny hat dramas are my favourite kind of yes uh, that was a while ago now but uh, so I've done a bit of that yeah but uh, I've never done uh, I, I've, n- I've never done Game of Thrones no but you did do a Harry Potter I did do a Harry Potter yes 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 yes, yes. so you are part of you are you do get to be a part of that I, I don't kind of feel bad for some British actors who are like oh I didn't get to be in a Harry Potter. I know. I feel very fortunate to have got in there. Although now they've sort of started up again with the yeah. Fantastic Beasts yeah, 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 yeah. franchise. So there's, yeah. yeah. So there's Can I be in that as well? Does anyone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anyone cross over? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like I'd be cool if I just said, sure, you could, you could, could you cross survive? over. Yeah. Could we send an email now? You absolutely could. You know what, though? Because of the time frame of Fantastic Beasts, I don't think there's any reason that there couldn't be like a Bertie Crouch appearance in some... Because it takes place... At the beginning of the 1900s. Yeah. So maybe there's some sort of a... Maybe you've gone back and... Or it's an ancestor. Sure, sure. I'll, yeah. I'll take whatever. I, I'm, I'm not proud. <laughs> um, but do any act, have any actors turned up in both? Playing different characters? Oh, uh, so. I don't believe so, no. no. No, it's totally separate. And I think it's probably... Part of the separation is that I think it's J.K. Rowling's, like, she wrote, like, these are hers. Yeah. Whereas the other ones were based off the books, but yeah. she, she actually... She writes the yeah, she, These are actually hers. Right, yeah. So I think, if it's possible, she actually has even more ownership over them. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. to see if she can become a double billionaire yeah. uh, from, from the books. Yeah, I know. Go are on. your kids into any of that? Harry Potter, yeah. 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 Quite recently, the Harry Potter. I mean, my my sixteen year old grew up through them and sort of enjoyed the films and so on. But but the the younger ones are getting into them now. Yeah, when we were over here, we went to we took them to Harry Potter World. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. that's the most brilliant. Have you been? No, no, I want to really badly. The thing that's brilliant about it, and I know this sounds gross, and I apologize. The thing that's brilliant about it is that it's basically a mall. There are two rides. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But it's... But there are two rides, one of which is brilliant. Yes. One of which is a bit rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you probably like the motion ride, like, right where you're going through and you're on the Quidditch pitch. Yeah, and, yeah. It's all and the, all the actors are in there going, quick, follow me! Yeah, exactly. Michael Gammon just up in the end. That's <laughs> <laughs> great! But the other one's just like a little roller coastery a thingy. A little roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's universal. Like, their rides are very either great or terrible. Right. <laughs> As yeah. an employee of NBC Universal, Jonah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Uh, take it out. 
Uh, <laughs> but but it's essentially a mall because it's Diagon Alley, and Diagon yeah. Alley was a mall. It's true. Yeah. It was the Third Street Promenade of Harry Potter, and of course, it's 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 festooned in snow. So you're on the baking California yeah. sunshine <laughs> with all this fake snow around you, which is quite weird. Is that because it's always snowing in England? I think that's we how know. we see yeah. it yeah. over yeah. there. Yeah, I think that's how we see it. It's not. It pretty much is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. But but they do. So they do. They do these things where it's like if you buy. Well, first of all, you have to get. You have to go to the wand shop. Yeah, and I'm sure. I'm sure every parent dreads it because they, there's a whole thing that happens in the wand shop where it's like the spotlight goes on all the boxes fly That's around right, and yes. points to one kid and they're like, you found your wand. And, but then, then they open the door and then the parents have to buy that wand. Oh, wow. But the one who gets picked out, because we didn't get picked out, we just yeah. watched it. Do they not get given something for being picked out? Or do they still have to spend eighty nine ninety nine? I feel like they... I don't know... I think they might have to buy. I think they might have wow. to buy the one. I think. I don't know though. I don't know. You must be. Some, there must be some sort of fee for being part of the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're putting the show. Fee. Yeah. Um, I'm a SAG, and well, uh, yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But the wands, you stand in certain spots around the around the area. Well, I did. Yes, I didn't know about this. You didn't. No, nobody told us. We just wandered around. There's like magic stuff you can do. Yes, oh, you shit. wave the wands in certain spots, like you wave it at a store window, and a bunch of shit happens in the oh, wow. store window. And so, it's, so the whole thing is kind of an attraction. It's the whole, the whole thing is an attraction, it's but it's really well done. It's a mall, and then there's the candy shop, and they sell chocolate frogs, yeah. and they sell. Butter beer, which is is like a real sugary, no. non-alcoholic beverage. What is butter beer? I think I mean, it's just the real liquid world. sugar. I don't know what it is, right. I, but it tasted to me just like liquid sugar. Um, right. So I didn't I didn't react well to it. Right, uh, right. It broke out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not what I envisioned what they were drinking in the book. Like, yeah. No, this is... no, no, it sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, it sounds delicious. <laughs> I don't know what it sounds like it tastes like, though, butterbeer. I guess it will. I would it, I would imagine it's it's probably a little savory with a with a layer of sweet. But this was just pure. I'd say like a cider, but like with a Guinness quality to it. But it, but kids drink it, right? So it's yeah, not, the so alcohol. It's not alcohol. But no. isn't the idea that it's alcohol? in their world I don't know well, so if you're a, if you're a fledgling wizard you can get pissed well, you know what though because you can drink at 16 in the in the UK right isn't 16 the uh, age? yeah yeah so I think in the books I think they're not allowed to go into town until like a certain year like I don't think they can go into town to that pub you think they get drunk on butter beer I think it's I don't it's fucking <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you got your fucking Patronus. I know my fucking Patronus. You don't tell me. I got a I got a cat for a Patronus. I got a little cat. So do your do your littlest kids do they sort of do they understand what it is that you do and they understand yeah, the separation between yeah, yeah. yeah, I think they do. Yeah, I think they understand the separation. I've always that's always been a, a thing for me when kids have people have said, Oh, kids don't understand the difference between Fancy and reality. As a child, I absolutely did. Right. I remember. Part of the reason I got so into Doctor Who is I remember, and I can date this because I know when it was on the telly, I remember seeing John Pertwee turn into Tom Baker and going, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And having it explained to me that they were actors telling a story and understanding what that was. And from that point on, precociously wanting to be an actor. So... I must have understood that that at that age, and my kids seem to get that from that sort of an age. So yeah, I would just imagine everyone's a million times savvier now about yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, because everything's so ubiquitous and everyone's talking about everything all the time. 
And it's uh, someday when we have kids, and I'm going to tell them the story of like when when I was growing up, the television would just turn off at a certain hour, and then there yeah. was no television until yeah, yeah. seven o'clock in the morning. Can you I mean, imagine it seems like prehistory now, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Sometimes I get stressed because I just think like, what did we do? Yeah. How did we just? Dist- and I think, oh, people just lived their lives. Read books. They read books. Yeah. They talked to each other. Turned the light out. Went to sleep. They had yeah. <laughs> they had Didn't have a glow by yeah. the side of their bed. Yeah. No. Oh, I'll just check my emails at four in the morning. Never do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just read two and then I'll go back to sleep. Yeah, Fuck, yeah. now I'm awake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it didn't, didn't really work out this no. way. But okay. now Apple have given you that thing where the light goes a little bit mellow in the middle. Yeah. Makes no difference. Yeah. How about a little night shift? Yeah. Nope, yeah. I'm, I'm still awake. Still awake. Still awake. <laughs> the night shift doesn't stop the gears in my brain from spinning a million no, miles no, an hour no, no, because no, no. I'm answering emails at yeah. 4 o'clock in the morning. Put it away from your bed. That's what I've been starting to do. I put uh, it on the other side of the room. I know. I, know. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to ask you, this is the last time you were on and I, and I forgot, uh, but did you... Did did does the Are name pickups from 2011? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit this back into the okay, like put out that episode <laughs> retrospectively. This yeah. isn't for now. I'm just going to take the. Just, this is yeah, the George like, Lucas, Chris out. Hardwick version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of right, right, There's going to be a CG Jabba that's yeah, going to just yeah. walk through it. He's going to look. You know, I saw that the other day because my kids have the Star Wars movies on uh, Blu-ray, but it's the it's the rejigged version. Ah, yeah. that bit where Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> and now, of course, it just looks rubbish. Yeah, it does. It does because that technology has moved on. So fast! Oh, yeah. so incredibly fast! You know, and when he did it, I remember thinking that's really clever. <laughs> I mean, you can only kind of see that his foot cuts the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's you know, it's good for. But I, I was uh, I was watching the first Avengers movie because I had just seen Infinity War, and I remember at the time thinking the first Avengers movie was like these effects are amazing. And the ones in Infinity War are a million times better than the ones just from the first Avengers. Right, so right, it's, right. even in that time, yeah, it's, it's already so it's already come a long way. But I but it was uh, is does the name Tennant was that taken from Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys? I mean, it kind of was. Yeah, <laughs> it was taken out of an edition of Smash Hits, which was a sort of teenage music magazine. Because I was sixteen and I had to change my name for the Actors Union Equity. Right, because there was already a person already with your a name, David, a David McDonald in Equity. Um, uh, Hard to believe in Scotland. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, well, it was the whole of Britain. All of Britain, yeah, all of the UK. Uh, so I, I, I thought, I'm 16, I don't know how, I didn't know any actors, I don't know, how do you go about changing your name? So I leafed through a copy of Smash Hits. <laughs> um, and uh, I, the first, my first option was David Brandon. Remember Kirk Brandon, Spear of Destiny? Why would you? No. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> You'll never take me alive. That was one of his songs. Oh my god, um, I don't know this. Uh, yeah, I hope you can get clearance for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think it would be like, could you please sing more? We really need to sing more. Please just um, uh, that was my first choice. Which would have been better for alphabetical cast lists? I would have done much yes. better oh, yeah. than David oh, Brandon. Oh yes, mm. take an A or a B if you're yeah. going to change your yeah. name. You, David. I, uh, Aardvark. Aardvark. Which David Aardvark. Perfect. would have been amazing. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I did that first, and then Tennant was my second choice. And that, uh, there was obviously a David Brandon as well. So I of course. Up, it came back through the post, your name is now David Tennant. And I remember going, oh, what have I done? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How can I live with this different name? Um, well, my family, you think. And then after a while, you get used to it. Do you think of yourself as a tenant or a McDonald's? I know, I'm a tenant. You are, you officially... And that's because when I came to America to work, there's another actors, a different actors union here, and they already had a David Tennant. Oh, <laughs> shit. So then you... <laughs> so then they said, you'll have to change your name. I said, 
but I've been working for like ten years. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not George Clooney, but people have heard of me. It's going to be really weird if I've got a different name in one country to to the name I've got back home. And I went to Actors' Equity in Britain. None of them are going to thank me for telling this story. Mm-hmm. I went to Actors' Equity in Britain. I went, can you sort this out? Of course you will. This is ridiculous. They're never going to be able to make you change your name. And I get two days later, they phone back and went, yeah, Sagar. <laughs> I'm afraid we've been beaten by them. So, so I'm like, well, what, what, what am I going to do? And then I find there's a loophole. Sagar, really not going to thank me for that. But I'm fully paid up, so... <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. Um, yeah. um, there's a loophole that somebody, because it's America, took them to court... Uh, and said, this is my legal name. You can't make me change my name from my legal name. Oh. Won the case. So there's a loophole that if it's your legal name, they can't make you change it. So I changed my name to David Tennant legally so that I could remain David Tennant on both sides of the Atlantic. Oh, wow. that's fantastic. So you didn't have yeah. to come here and be like, David A. Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which would have been so bizarre. Um, but it presumably means there's another David Tennant working somewhere in the industry. Did somewhere. you never look him up to see what, what I he does? I couldn't find anything, but I, you know, I, I'm sure he's hugely successful and, and very well thought of. <laughs> I, like I, my poor Googling skills couldn't find it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, apparently so, yeah. Sure. Did, uh, and have you ever met, were you a Pet Shop Boys fan? Do you know, I was a Pet Shop Boys fan. I still, I still am. am. I think they're yeah. a fantastic band. I fantastic. Love them, I've never met Neil Tennant. So really? I have no idea if he knows that he's my actual father. He <laughs> 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 I feel like there's someone ha- you know I feel like it'd be the probably the Graham Norton show like if the Graham yeah, Norton show yeah, caught yeah. wind yeah. of that he would get Neil Tennant to come on it would be, and do I mean, a Neil Tennant would be very underwhelmed by the whole thing I don't know how he would feel about it he seems very cool he seems yeah, he seems much more cool than me he seems pretty well yes he probably was pretty cool because I think if I remember correctly, he was basically a music critic. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He worked like, for Smash Hits. Yes. The magazine that I took his name out of. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I could do this. Yeah. And it turned out he was right. Yeah, he absolutely. could. Even though he wasn't really a vocalist per se, he just kind of sings down here yes. the whole time. He's got quite a nice kind of, ah, but yes, it's a sort of, it's a particular sound he has. It's very, 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 uh, yes, it's very unique. And, and, and ultimately, those songs... If they came out today, I'd be like, I buy it. You know, I totally songs. buy it. They're, they're great songwriters. They're really, yeah. really, really great yeah. songs. I think that's going to be the ultimate goal of the universe is to figure out how to get the two of you together. But you're right. It would be, I mean, you must have... I'm sure you have. And also, wouldn't it be one of those moments you go, Hi, Neil, hi, I took your name from Swatches. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, and that's it. So, yeah. so, I guess, do we order the appetizers then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just exactly. get the check. Yeah. I'll just oh, get the great. check. Really like your music. I bought some CDs. Could you sign them? <laughs> do you, uh, do you, are there people that you've like super fanned out over and had that experience? Because as someone where people do that to you all the time, I would imagine. Do you also empathize in a way? Are there people oh, that yeah. you've met where you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Um, uh, Billy Connolly. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. Big time. Because he, he was someone, especially growing up, he was someone my dad introduced me to. And he was always... And also, he is fucking brilliant. Yes. You know, he's about the best stand-up comedian. I think probably there has ever been. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I did a movie with him. And I, I was so excited and also very nervous because he was... He was just such a massive figure from my childhood and my whole life. And then he didn't disappoint at all. <laughs> Not for a second. He was as warm as he appears. He was as funny as he appears. He was generous. He was easy. He was everything you could have hoped for. Yeah. 
Did you did you kind of spill the beans on the? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh you did. Yeah, oh you yeah. did. Oh good. Yeah. And and uh, and and again he didn't disappoint there because I talk about the old cassette tapes we used to listen to and he'd do little bits. You know I'd say oh yeah we used to listen to that right because my dad was a minister in the Church of Scotland. Billy Connolly does this very blasphemous routine about the crucifixion. <laughs> my dad used to love it. Oh nice. <laughs> and we'd listen to it together and I would you know and we I, I would tell him oh that bit that bit where uh, uh, where he tells. Uh, uh, he tells Judas to shut up, and his face was shut. <laughs> so, and everything, you know, he remembered all the bits, and he did the bits, and he was, yeah, he just uh, perfection. Well, I, I've been to the, I've been to the, I went to the Fringe Festival probably twenty years ago. I've never performed in it, um, but I, I went twenty years ago, and Billy Connolly was, I was a huge fan of his, and so in my mind, like, oh, that's. You know, he is the prime example of a Scottish comic. Yeah. And I watched, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to see other Scottish comics. And I'm sorry to say, I could not, un- I had difficulty understanding some of the, like, the, the, the bro, it was so fast and hard. I, I thought, am I dumb? Why right, am I not? Right. I couldn't understand. No, I mean, I, I'm amazed he travels as far as he does, really, because it does seem to me, very of where I come from, his stuff. But I think he, he does go... I mean, he, he, well, this wasn't him. This was other comics. Other comics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, because yeah. Bill, Billy did manage to sort of Transcend. travel the world. Yeah, because he did... He came and... He had a career here, too. Yeah, he came yeah, did yeah. He a sitcom here. Didn't he do it? Yeah, he did a sitcom. He Top did. Top of the class or Head of the class. Yeah. Yeah, he replaced... Did you ever get the... Did you ever see a show called WKRP in Cincinnati? Did you guys get that? Yes. Okay, so there was That's a, a blast from the past. It sure yeah. was. Yeah. So there was a the guy who played the DJ on there was a guy named Howard Hessman, and Howard Hessman was the original star of this show, head of the class. Yeah. And in the beginning, the show was supposed to sort of be a little bit edgier about this guy who's kind of a fuck up, and he's got these kids. And then the show kind of flipped and became more of like, a, oh, the kids rule the classroom, right? And I think he was like. Uh, yeah, not <laughs> right, so much. Right, right. And then Billy Connolly came in, and he ah, did like a season or two. Okay, of it. Uh, but he did a Columbo as well. He did. Billy Connolly is the is the the, the adversary in a Columbo Whoa, episode. Holy shit! I think one of the last ones. That's yeah. incredible. When, I didn't know when that. Peter Falk was 107 years old. I'm going to buy it. I think you should be retired from the police force by now, but I'm glad you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy that. Yeah. Did you ever think you would try stand-up? Was stand-up ever a thing no, that you wanted to do? not at all. No. <laughs> no. Really not. Because also you have to write your own stuff. I yep. love it when other people write stuff. <laughs> if somebody wrote me a stand-up routine, I'd have a go. But I, but I, I wouldn't. No, I think it's a... It's good about finding your own voice, isn't it? And it's about, I can do it. Yeah. I'd be too scared. I've done one-man things a couple of times. It's, it's absolutely bum-clenching. Not having someone else to kind of riff off. And, well, I would know. be terrified of doing a one-man thing because you're... I mean, stand-up, you can control everything. And mm. if things aren't working, you can take turns and you know go into the audience if you need to or fuck around. But if you're just doing like a written one-person show... yeah. And the audience five minutes in just isn't that into it. Yeah. It's not you have to do the whole thing. Yeah. And you can't break the fourth wall and be like, guys, just this will be over soon. Like <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. there's nothing you can do in the yeah, middle of yeah. that. Oh yeah. Do you miss doing the do you go back? Do you think like, oh I want to go back and just do theater I, well, for a I while? Do. I mean I did I did a play last year. Um uh, I'm sure I'll do another one before too long. It's it's part of what I do. It's part of my it feels like the day job. Yeah. That feels like proper work. Yeah. <laughs> Not because it's harder work necessarily. It's just it feels there's something a bit more I don't know, artisan about it, isn't there? Well there is actually, yeah, yeah because you can't there aren't really any shortcuts. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just you have to go and be in the moment, and you can't go, oh, I'll do that again. Or yeah, you, yeah, you really yeah. have to learn how to work with a group and mm. listen, I guess. Mm. I mean, did, was there anything that, when you first made the jump from theater to film and television, did you have habits that you had to break or things that you had to relearn or things that were harder or things that were I never, there, there wasn't sort of a moment where I stopped doing one and started doing another. I was always doing, you know, I, I did more theater than, uh, than TV stuff because that's the work I got. Right. But I was always doing like an episode of this or a bit of that. So it was always, it was a sort of gen, sort of slow learning curve on both, on both, uh, in both mediums, really. Well, were you ever um, able to get out of a play because you got a gig on television or, or movies? No, I've never done. I've never. I've never, never had up, to do that. Never been that much in oh. demand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Broadway thing as well. In London, yeah. you don't really do that in London. You do if you're doing a play, you're doing a play. You're just, no, yeah, no, no understudies. They call it a Betterman clause or something, don't they? Or a get some kind of that you can get on Broadway. That if I get a better job, I'm yeah. yeah. If I get, yeah, we don't do that. I mean, this no. is fine. We but don't it's, do that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a movie. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Whereas in Britain, our tradition is it's a movie, not the theatre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, I think we, you know, if you if you start a play, you finish a play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean you're not obsessed with fame at all costs? <laughs> that's crazy. I think there's still a thing in in certain. There's an idea in Britain though that that's the that's the worthy stuff to do. That's where that's where you get your knighthood. You get your knighthood from doing plays in the West End. Um, you know, you don't get your knighthood from doing popular television series. I don't know. I think Patrick Stewart got it from playing Captain Picard and uh, Professor Xavier. Well, maybe. Or was it his award-winning Claudius? It could... Oh, oh no. Mm. I think he was already a star by then, actually. Oh, was he? Yeah, I think he maybe was. Yeah. But, so, listen, knighthood is not out of the question for you at some point. It's not something I'm chasing. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a process to it? Like, is this like, is there, are there people that go like, I want to try and have a career where I get knighted? Oh, no, no, no. The process is if you chase it, you don't get one. Ah, oh. So in a sense. But that's not why I was doing that. Okay. That was not a double thing. No, no. But it's all, because it's British and all that. It's all sort of all about kind of, you know, don't, don't, don't make it look like you think you're worth something. It's all that, oh, if you, oh, don't be, how grotesque that you might have some kind of self-belief. To want. Yeah. No, it's all about sort of, you know, being nominated and people writing letters, I think. Yeah. And then there's an invitation from uh, uh, Downing Street if you were to be offered a, this kind of an honour, would you accept it mm. so that you can't turn it down? Oh, wow. Oh. Well, oh. we have uh, pieces of concrete with stars on them on a street. Yes. That's what we have. I can't quite actively campaign to get one as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically, you, you just buy them. You pay for them. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, obviously, there's a, you know, I can't just be like, hey, give me a star. Here's a check. You yeah. know, but if there's a, there, it's a, petition. It's a, there's a petition and right, then, right, you right. know, like, then they approve it, you know, then there is a fee, yeah, and then, yeah, 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 then, yeah. Then, then you can do it. And do they just keep spreading? Because it does feel like there's a lot of people who have got stars in the Hollywood Fame. Are they just yeah. spreading up and round? And They've always been kind of pretty Can they go far forever? Apart. I mean, is there a point where it'll be full? Uh, no. I mean, they could get rid of some of the radio people. Though. You know what I know? Hey, hey. You know what I noticed uh, that they did in front of the, the Kodak Theater is that they've started kind of... Um, like they they used to sort of be every few steps, yeah. And now they're like juxtaposed, oh, right, so it's right, like right, almost like right, a yeah. jigsaw puzzle where it's like the corner of one is touching the corner of one in the in the, the cell next to it, right, all right, the way up. Right. So they've like doubled. So I, I think they're in theory, 
and that whole sidewalk could just be stars yeah. at right. some point, you know. If and is there a pecking thing. order? Like, if you're Harrison Ford, are you right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And if yeah. you're someone from The Bachelor season four, you're right. You're, you're, you're actually on Vine. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. Right. <laughs> you're down Vine in Santa Monica. Yeah, right, right. Outside yeah. the Yeah, it is. Because you, you, you do see, like, in front of the Kodak Theater, it's like Billy Crystal. Like, it's yeah, it's right. all of the big, People who should be there. People, yeah, people that you would expect to be there. Because I'm sure there's also, like, a... Hasn't Donald Trump got one? Yeah. Oh, he does, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, one one time, someone did some street art and put like a wall around his star. Well, that's very funny. I that Another time, good, someone yeah. did some street art and put poop on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They really that did. Could, it's right. Hollywood. That could happen. That could happen randomly. anywhere. That yeah. was yeah, yeah. yeah. There was poop on a lot. Someone put a hyperdermic needle on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could just be Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel bad for people come to like they've really cleaned up um, Hollywood and Highland and, and Vine and other because. Ten years ago or so, like, it really wasn't. I would imagine people would just show up and go, uh, "I don't yeah. know, this is it," you know. Yeah. So they've really tried. It was, rough. To, it was really, really rough. They've really tried to to make it nice. Yeah, uh, but it's not. You know, there's not all that. There's so much to do in Los Angeles without actually doing anything that I, I don't really know if people really care anymore. Like, I just, I'm surprised that anyone thinks, you know, oh, I'm just going to go walk down a street where there's yeah. a bunch of stuff on the sidewalk. I guess if you come in from out of town, it's your first time and you're doing Hollywood, you probably want to say you've been there. You probably get there and go, oh, this is it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Every time a, a relative is in town, they're like, I want to see yeah. Hollywood. I go, all right. Okay. And we go by and they go, oh, it's, they're always underwhelmed. Yeah. Was okay, this the Sephora Carol Lombard shop debt? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, then we went, you know, we went to Austria and then we, uh, and then we're like right outside Mozart's apartment in Salzburg. There's a, there's a Starbucks, like literally right. Yeah. like right out the window. So yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just part of the way, just part of the way our culture is yeah, going. Of course. Yeah. It's just globalization. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. How do you, uh, do you, how do you feel like. In this sort of age where there's so much, there's so much. As a parent, do you feel like, oh, I want to still give my kids as many real world experiences as possible, or how do you do you limit their their time in front of digital objects? Uh, well, you, it, it's always an aspiration, and at the same time, it, it, the minute you sort of create a rule, you end up breaking it, or it gets <laughs> broken, or you know. But yes, you sort of muddle through. I think parenting though is a, is a sort of uh, it's a learning curve. I, that's what I remember. Being a child, it it just seemed that parents always knew the answers to everything, and that there were binary, uh, correct and wrong answers to everything in life. And really, growing up, I suppose, uh, uh, well, I'm terribly profound, but growing up is the, sort of, is the process of realizing that's not the case, isn't it? And I think, but you're terribly aware that when children are young, they just they just accept what you tell them to yeah. be factual. And, of course, you exploit that to the hell. <laughs> <laughs> and um, someday they'll realise that you were faking you were busking it. it. Yeah. yeah, and you think, oh, my parents were busking it too. Right, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it really is just the sort of the formula of, like, if you're a parent... Well, just say something. Yeah. You know, as I remember calling my parents, even like when I would first went away, and, oh, I don't know, and they would have an answer. Yeah. 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 I don't even know if they believed what they were telling me, but yeah. the fact is that they had an answer, and I guess that, that's what was most important. It's a important. terrible responsibility to be handed, really. There's no guidebook. But what's, you know... Actually, there are lots of guidebooks. <laughs> There's a lot of guidebooks. <laughs> Lord, it's too many guidebooks. entire industry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything right now that you're particularly excited about in the world? And it doesn't have to be work, it doesn't have to be anything, but is there, like, what's something that is making you particularly joyful at the moment? Joyful? Yeah, is there anything? What is making me joyful? Do you know what's making me joyful at the moment? Because I'm in LA, and I'm on my own, so I'm a bit lonely sometimes. 
And what what sent me to a little happy place is catching up on the American Office, which I never really oh, managed yeah. to do. Really, and it's on Netflix here, and it's yeah. not back home. Oh, of course. So I, I I've been uh, I've been very much enjoying that. Oh, that's mm. great. Yeah, that's what a, a very, great show that was. That is that is such a hard thing to do because I think I I think a lot of American studios and networks wrongly think that we speak the same language because yeah. a lot of the words are similar. Yeah. But there's such a cultural subtext that is different. So when a lot of times when they try to port a British show over to America, they don't really understand like why it why it actually works yeah. over there. It's like, oh, we'll just get this character and this character. And like, oh, this didn't really work at all. Yeah. But The Office did such an amazing job so, of kind of yeah. retaining the spirit but really making it its own A completely show. different show. And, yeah. and yeah. all the characters are completely recognizable. And yet they're completely different. And, they have, and they're all such great actors, as indeed they were on the British show. Um, but the sort of different types of brilliant. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love it. And it's very sort of comforting and it makes me, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to hear that it's not over there and the, you know, I'm sure that's a matter of pride. Like, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, no, it was. Briefly, it was. I don't know why. It's probably, it's, it's, it, people love it uh, uh, in the UK too, but I think it probably, I don't know, maybe Sky, of course. I don't know where it is, but it'll be somewhere. You can get everything somewhere now, can't you? <laughs> is there a particular type of project that you haven't done yet that you would really love to do? Is there a particular type of a thing? I never really know until it presents itself. I'm, right now I'm doing the closest thing to a sitcom I've probably ever done. And that's amazing. I'm loving that. Um, I'm doing this thing called Camping, which is which again is a, is a reboot of a British show, a Julia Davis show from the oh, UK. Oh, yeah. And that's got uh, Brett Gelman. That's right. It yeah. does. And yeah. um, uh, Trayvon. Trayvon's one of the executive producers. Yes, yeah. Uh, one of the writers. Yeah, so um, like a ton of great comedy people. Like Janixa Bravo, was she in there? She's in there. Yeah. Um, Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor have yes. adapted it from Julia Davis's British show. So it's weird that I'm in America doing an American version of a British show I had nothing to do with. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, yes, it's, it's a half-hour comedy for HBO. I mean, it's quite, it's single camera and, it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it has its dark moments, but it's, I'm loving the idea that we sort of work and there's a team of writers and they'll come up after a take and go, try seeing this and try and that's, I've never done anything like that before. Oh, that's and right. That's, that's great. And you yeah. get to play. Yeah, yeah. And you put you on your game as well because people, indeed, like you mentioned, like like uh, Brett Gelman, who's a, who's a, who's a stand-up, so he's got that kind of a brain so he yeah. can just come up with stuff. Yeah, and really <laughs> dark, crazy stuff. Like dark, well. crazy, funny stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and his background is also UCB, so there's like a strong improv sketch right. background yeah, yeah, too, yeah. you know, which is such a great tool to yeah. have. Well, what did you... Uh, you did a Neil Gaiman... Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I did. Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett's novel, Good Omens, which Neil adapted for Amazon. Which is out next year. So oh, I, that's so exciting! I just shot that just before I came over. Because yeah. John Hamm's in that. John Hamm is there. I remember when he yeah, was man. going to do that. He was like, "I'm going to do Good Omens, that's Tenants." Right. I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" Like, it just sounds like such a dream. Like, first of all, adapting to, like to hear that Neil Gaiman was adapting a Terry yes. Pratchett uh, Pratchett book yeah. into a thing, and that and just to hear the casting, like Jesus Christ, like just it hits every pleasure center. Well, it's and it's hugely ambitious. I mean, it's it's a, so I think they've tried to make. Uh, some kind of version of this novel several times and it's been defeated by circumstance it's massive and uh, but you know Amazon wrote a big check and, <laughs> and allowed it to happen and, it, and, and because Neil adapted it it doesn't 
it, it, it's very much true to the book that he wrote with Terry Pratchett all those years ago wow. and it's got the madness and the kind of freewheeling kind of anarchy to it and the almost free association and it just goes to mad places and I think well I hope it'll, it'll you know tick all the boxes but it was great to do yeah nice. that's really exciting yeah, yeah. I, think, I think people are going to be really excited I think people are going to be blown away by that because I haven't heard I haven't heard much about it just other than the fact that it was done yeah but it was done like a year almost oh like, no, no no we just finished oh you just finished yeah, just yeah, yeah. now because well, he went I away mean, for it yeah. a couple of months ago yeah yeah. Uh, Michael Sheen is the angel and I'm oh, the devil oh fantastic uh, and uh, oh yeah I mean Miranda Richardson's in it John Hamm's in it uh, Michael McKean's in it oh um, nice Jack Whitehall's in it all lots of amazing people and uh uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's now in post-production, which is where it's going to be for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bells and whistles that need to be added on top of There's our some shit happening pieces. over your head. Yeah, yeah. That exactly, you to, exactly yeah. that. It takes a lot of time yeah. to get those star wipes between the scenes. Yeah. That is a whole other la- layer of, like, the, 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 the technology acting now. Where I, I mean, I guess ultimately it might be like going back to what I imagine black box theater was where it's like oh you really kind of have to create yeah. the yeah. you know but yeah. now it's just like blue or green box yeah. Where yeah. Just like, and also the rate at that because Douglas McKinnon directed it who directed a couple of Doctor Who's that I did yeah. um, and we were talking about this a lot Doctor Who with when I did it with him it was what would it have been 2008 maybe uh, to 10 years ago and uh, each script would arrive and there were seven CGI shots <laughs> I think it was seven, maybe it was eight, in each episode. That was it. And they would all be very specifically, in block capital le- letters, Russell would write out each one, and he would mark it as a CGI shot so that everyone knew what they were working to because that's what the technology and the budget could cope with. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, it's every shot has got something. Every single shot has got something in it, whether it's, you know, just somebody's eyebrow doing a funny thing or somebody's mm. hat doing a funny thing or a big, enormous monster or something exploding or... It's everything. You know, yeah. the, the guys who, uh, you know, Doctor Who, uh, Dave Houghton, who used to run that department, would turn up two or three times a week to do his bit. But they're just there the whole time, these guys. Yeah. Of course they are, because it's it's everything. Yeah. And that's happened so quickly, you know, in, in, in relative terms, in terms of how these things have moved on. But it, you know, I still think, I think we're getting there with CG. I really think we're getting there with CG. Like, they're, they're still really good. But I still, when I watch stuff, I go, oh, that's really great for CG. Yeah. You know, like, it's still, I think... I want it to stay there for the good of humanity. Yeah. I don't want anyone to realistically do something. <laughs> to reproduce. Yeah, there but needs no, to be I some I do separation. think now that we're in the stage where, yes, I absolutely agree, we, we, uh, we think we know what CG and what isn't, but I think more and more there's bits going by that we don't realize. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Like, like uh, landscapes and, exactly. you know, like, yeah. oh, there, there, was, there wasn't, that building in the background wasn't there. Yeah. It's yeah. like all in the Fincher's, subtle stuff. It, like in Fincher's uh, Zodiac, he did a ton of that stuff where it was just a conversation between two characters but because it was 70 San Francisco he didn't think about it when you were watching it but it was just different storefronts exactly. and he did it, a ton of it digitally and it's yeah. something that happens now on set you, you'll, you'll sort of do a take and they'll go oh the, but that thing's happening in the corner and rather than going again they just go we'll paint it out yeah. and it's just <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's easier than doing another take yeah. <laughs> we are sort of getting there but I think for now at least you still need a bit of a human being in there somewhere hopefully even if it's just to drive it I don't know Oh, I didn't say that line right. We'll just uh, fix that. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it post. Uh, we'll no, paint it out. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll auto-tune it out. Yeah, we'll just... Well, you'll, you'll say it. You'll say yeah. it the right way. Yeah, yeah, Ugh, yeah. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable yeah. with that. There's some technology, and I, I can't remember where I saw it, but is it, is it some some companies developing a thing where if it's a locked-off shot of a, an actor, um, they can, um, you know, 
kind of layer all a bunch of different takes to get the right kind of take they want. And it was this weird thing where they kind of slightly morphed from one the face from one take to another take oh. and created a completely different style of a scene than uh, than what was actually done. Isn't this the technology that will then have sort of world leaders coming on TV and telling us we're all going to die when they've never said that? Yes. That's exactly yeah. what my fear is. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. that, uh, you know, just someone going like, well, and then someone something could happen and someone said, well, they used that technology. I wasn't really there. That wasn't me. Well, quite. It works both ways, isn't it? Yeah. Fake news is you're going to go, well, we got it on tape. Well, that doesn't mean anything. But that, also, that wasn't me watching them. Pay. But also you combine that with like the 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 trigger sensitive the trigger happy like outrage machine yeah social media and it's like people are I've already crucified someone before they before like the news comes out like oh this person never yeah, actually yeah. said right. that it's that was too late yeah 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 it's a scary you know it's, yeah. a, it's a scary that's you know that's why you have the American version of the office so that you don't have to think about it <laughs> you know takes me to a happy place <laughs> but you do you know you you are one of those people that can. You can play a, uh, uh, a nice character so beautifully and you can play – because Bad Samaritan is – is which is the movie that you ultimately you were, I guess, technically here to promote. Sure. But, um, May 4th in theaters. May 4th in theaters. <laughs> directed by Dean Devlin. Yes. And uh, written by Boyce, right? The guy who did yes, um, yeah. uh, Milk. Yes, 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 that's yes, absolutely yes, yes. right, yeah. Yeah, um, they sent it to me and it looks, like, the the trailer is um, super, super uneasy, un- unsettling. It's, yeah, it's a good sort of uh, thrill a minute. It's a roller coaster ride. Have you seen the trailer for it yet? Uh, no, I've stopped watching trailers, but I've read about it and I'm going to see it. I don't watch trailers. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I watch teasers, but I don't watch... Like, I didn't watch any of the last couple of Avengers uh, trailers. Like, I'll watch the teaser to just get right. a vibe, yeah. but yeah, I don't yeah. want to see things no. that are happening yeah. in the yeah, movie. I used to hate people. I was like, oh, I don't watch trailers. And I was like, no, they're so fun. And then I went to a film festival and just kind of didn't have time to look at the trailers. So I just, off the synopsis, I picked all the movies. And it right. was so great just having a story be told to you without any sure. preconceived notion of any kind yeah. of visuals. Did you ever see Misfits, the, the, series, the BBC series of Misfits? Uh, no. It's fantastic. Well, Robert, Robert Sheehan. Sheehan is, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so the star of Bad Samaritan was in this show called Ooh. Misfits, which yeah. is I think they only did for a couple seasons, but it's really quickly. You should you would love it. Yeah. But it's basically this this group of kind of degenerate youths on like a work program. They get like hit by lightning zapped. or something. They yeah. get zapped yeah. and they get these really weirdly specific to their personality yeah. superpowers. Yeah. And uh, but they're all kind of fuck ups, and it's great. Oh, and, nice. and Robert Sheen is great. He in is it. great. And he's the he's the the. His character in Bad Samaritan. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk over you. Do you want to explain it? It's no, he's no, a, no. He's they basically, he's a thief, and he's he, a valet. He's a valet yeah. who will like he'll get in the car and then hit home, and then while a person's in the restaurant, go rob their house. Oh, great! Bring yeah. the car back. Yeah. And so he does that with David's character, and uh, it's, uh, some shit goes sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't have crossed me. <laughs> yeah. Do you like doing the American accent? I do quite enjoy doing the American accent. Yeah. What does it sound like to you in your head? Or you heard I mean, well, you know, we grew up on American movies, so anywhere in the world pretty much does, didn't they? So it, it feels familiar enough, I guess. Yeah, it's just, you know, we... So many British actors come to the States and play, like, Southern characters. Right. But there, but there are so few... I think maybe Peter Dinklage might be the guy who yeah. is, like, is an acceptable British accent. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow does a cracker. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She did Sliding Doors. Sliding Doors. Yeah. Emma, and she's very good. That's yeah. right. And uh, 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 oh, what's her name? Bridget Jones. Oh, uh, yes, oh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Yeah. She, does she, did a, she did a good one too. Fantastic. Yeah. But see, the thing is, we I think our ears we can't discern. I mean, I think there are obvious regional accents that we can pick out. It's like Liverpool, obviously, is a yeah. little different than a Welsh accent's a little different. But I'm sure there are subtleties that if someone's like, oh, hello, you know, it's like, okay, well, that was four accents that you just did. Yeah, I would, yes, but I'm sure that's true the other way as well. We all tend to, you know, move towards some kind of general American yeah. sort of... <laughs> but then over here, it seems to me that accents are quite... I mean, obviously, there are regional. There are regions yeah. which are very specific, but there's quite a sort of middle melting potty sort of yeah. uh, neutral accent, I think. Was there ever any conversation to play the doctor with just your Scottish accent? There never, ever was. Which now, just ten years later, feels a bit weird, actually. Yeah. It was always... I, I think it came off the back of Chris doing a Northern accent and that being something that was commented on positively, very much right. so. And I think they thought, well, let's not do that again. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, of course, when Peter Capaldi did it, he went, nobody even commented on it. Right, yeah. 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 And, and, and it made me think, why did we do that? I mean, to be honest, I, I, I was very happy. I quite like using accents. I, it makes me feel like I'm being an actor, doing acting. <laughs> sort of, you know, sort of, it makes me, it feels like there's a bit of a transformation going on and that it takes you to a slightly different place in your head. So I, I didn't fight it at all. And I still, I, I wouldn't want to do it any differently. But it is weird that we just sort of did that. <laughs> it feels like if we did it just these few years later, we wouldn't do that. I mean, I had no idea that you were... Like, when, the, when I first started watching you on the show, I had no idea that you yeah. were Scottish. I just... Yeah. Oh, he's an English guy. Yeah. No, no, not at all. I mean, Jodie Whittaker, for instance, has a very strong Northern accent. And I don't... Mind you, I don't know for certain, but I... I you know, she talks like that. Right. And I think she's going to continue to talk like that. Right. As the doctor. Did you go to that breakfast... That uh, mm. did you, did you, did you yeah, go you were meant to be there. I was meant to be there. We sent you a message. You did send me a message. Yeah. Yes, I. Uh, so um, I was a Red Nose Day, which I'm hosting again this Ooh, year, yeah. and uh, um, and Richard Curtis is the the mastermind behind Red Nose Day. He's a very famous British writer and director. Uh, he directed, like, he wrote uh, Notting Hill. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, his girlfriend Emma Freud of Freud. Um, she uh, like was sort of booking all these really great. Oh, if you donate to Red Nose Day, you'll get this and you'll get that and you'll get. And uh, and there was a seat at a table for like as many living doctors as they could get together in one thing. And I go, oh, yeah. She goes, they'll all be there. And I go, okay, uh, but I don't know if I can go anytime soon. No, we'll do it next year. It'll be you know we'll we'll help try to work it around your schedule. I go, great. And then, like, in November, I get an email, well, it's in two weeks. I'm oh, like, shit. Oh, you weren't even consulted? <laughs> <laughs> no. But here's the, here's the thing. She was so apologetic and tried so hard to make me feel included. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I don't – I felt weird about going anyway. <laughs> I, I, honestly, be, <laughs> only because I – you know, I, I get kind of shy, and I also am a little embarrassed that I'm such a big Doctor Who fan that, that, that when I do run into you, sometimes I'm like, oh, God, because I, I just don't want to be the, oh, here's that guy again. So I, you know, I was kind of like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine that I wasn't there oh, like, you bothering were missed. these you poor guys. You were very guys. much missed. But here's the thing that I discovered that I need to tell Emma was that I think she is under the impression that I had made this very large donation yeah. and didn't get to go. 
And when I was doing my taxes for the end of the year, I was like, oh, yeah, and I made this donation to Red Nose or to Comic Relief. And um, my business manager was like, I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> so I need to let Emma know, like, D- I didn't even – you didn't even get the donation from me. It's fine. Oh, right. So – Oh, yeah. Well, you aren't welcome at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. I can't believe we did your message. <laughs> now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate now because you did the message. Sure. I'm gonna donate. How was the breakfast? It was great. It was lovely. It was really good fun. Oh, yeah. that's good. And we had Peter Purvis and Freema Adjaman, two of the dogs. Oh, yes. Nice. Serving. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. It was great. That's was really a, funny. Was How, were the people one. that paid for the seats, were they, were they sort of good-natured? Oh, they were lovely. They were lovely, yeah. yeah. It's, some people had uh, paid vast sums of money, and some people had entered the raffle. Right. There was two ways of winning a, a seat at the table. You I could either be really rich or really lucky. I have to say, one of, the, <laughs> one of the great things about that fandom, about the Doctor Who fandom, is that it is a very lovely oh, group of fans. Like absolutely. Really, because I think the show has such a beautiful message... And he has such a fascination and and uh, hope for humanity. And it is, you know, that show was inclusive for uh, races, ethnicities, and sexuality. Like, yeah. and in a way that wasn't like, look what we're doing. It's just very matter of fact. Like, yeah. you know, Captain Jack Harkness just happened to be this sort of like pansexual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, there was never any, didn't make a big deal out of it. And I always thought that was so beautiful in the way that, you know. Absolutely. That the way that... Like the old Star Treks, like any of the old shows that tried to show people, like this is how you should live. Yeah, you know. No, absolutely. It, it, it's always been it's always been a show for the underdog, really. I think, and it's a good it's a good group. And are you do you do you when you went back for the fiftieth? Was it emotional in any way, or sort of like, oh, I get to play again, I get to put the jacket back on? It was. I mean, more more the latter, I think. Uh, because it didn't, it wasn't like entirely going back. Because I was, it wasn't my show anymore. It was Matt's show, and I was quite nervous about that. Because you thought this, he, he might feel like I'm stepping on his toes. It's quite a weird sort of, you know, he, he's now he now plays the doctor. It's he, and I'm sort of coming in and kind of, he might feel like I'm elbowing my way into his space. But we actually just got on so well and had such a fun time that it was genuinely joyful to go back and do that. That's good. Great. Well, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I have to say that all of you embody like it's so nice to know that you and Matt and Peter and you know every everyone that I've ever met that's involved with the show really loves the show as much as the fans yeah. do and I yeah. think that also kind of makes it special too yeah I think we all do and it was so it was lovely to be reunited whenever I see anyone from that show again there's there's a real sort of there's a kind of you feel like you're part of a special club <laughs> you are part of a special yeah, club yeah, yeah and also uh people should watch you be uh, an empathetic villain in Bad Samaritan or just a villain villain? No, he's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for the new ringtone. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yep. Thanks for the new ringtone. It's charming when you say well, it. Well, you can also see, though, if I may be so bold. Please. Because it's on showtime in this in this lovely country. It's in the this in the cinemas back home in the UK. But my uh, my wonderful wife is now a film producer. Oh, wow. And employed me in her first feature film. And it's now and Showtime have bought it, so you can get it on Showtime in demand here. It's called You, Me, and Him, and it's a romantic comedy with Lucy Punch. Oh, great! Who's uh, magnificent and Faye Marseille, who you may know from Game of Thrones, 
uh, and me as the third wheel, um, <laughs> and that's it, that's now showing on Showtime on Demand. So that's worth checking. Oh, great. Out. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I know. Listen, she's very clever. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. And I'm, you know, every get time- married, get a job out of it. That's the long game. That's, yeah, that's the long the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm I'm married way above my. Uh, I I'm swinging way beyond my whatever the sports metaphor is uh, in my marriage. So I yeah. I I feel like you know. I feel like I, I'm saying the same thing that you were saying. Yeah. Uh, but that's a very that's a very important thing to do. Mm. Uh, someday, because um, she's starting to produce stuff too, and yeah. I'm just like, just put me in a movie. No one puts me in a movie. Just let me. <laughs> just I'll be in the background eating a churro. Yeah. I don't care. I know it's great. Marry marry someone to put you in a movie. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it was coming. Who knew she was going to become a producer? But it turns out she's really good at it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for. That's uh, it. We're done. We're, that's it. Goodness. But you can, you know, st- we play pinball if you sure, want to hang out. Sure. I already you showed him the TARDIS there. downstairs. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like yeah, I just wanted to get amazing. that out. I would have felt bad about it not mentioning it the whole yeah, time. Yeah, if he found it on his own, it would have been weird. What is this? <laughs> uh, this is not mine. Yeah. <laughs> I learned this from watching you. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant, thank you so much for being My here. Pleasure. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Bad Samaritan. Uh, May 4th. That's it. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Oh, very important day. Oh, Oh, very good. All right. Thanks, everyone. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.